Well, I'm kind of sad this morning. Uh, it's our last Sunday in Miraculous. You know, kind of bummed out about that. I want it to keep going. It's been such a great series, eight weeks in it. Um, and in this series, we've looked at uh, the big miracles of Jesus. I mean, the big miracles of God. There are many miracles listed in the Bible, and we could spend eternity talking about them. Uh, but what I wanted to do in this series is look at the big ones, the big one that God does that affects uh, a lot of people. And so we've been able, able to do that, and so we're going to be finishing that today. I want to ask you this. How do you feel uh, in unfamiliar circumstances? You know, you, you're in a routine, and then all of a sudden, bam, you're, you're in something different, and you're not familiar with it. How do you feel in those? Some of you might just march right on like a champ, right? You, you handle that pretty well. Uh, some of you, you know, may throw you for a loop, may knock you back just a little bit. I know for me, sometimes when that happens, when I'm in unfamiliar circumstances, when my life is unfamiliar to me, uh, I feel sort of lost, right? Maybe a little scared. I remember when uh, I graduated from college, I moved to North Carolina, to uh, Raleigh. And so I'm a country boy. And so I'm down there, and I am feeling lost. I'm feeling out of place. You know, there's all these people I know Raleigh's not the biggest city in the world, but to me it just looked huge, right? All these people, all these cars. I, I, honestly, I felt sort of alone in that. I, didn't, I felt like I was the only person there that, that was going through what I was going through. Um, you may be going through those times now. Uh, maybe you are new to this area, right? And you, you know, things are different for, for you. You're in unfamiliar circumstances. Or you're going through a life change in your family and, and it's new to you. It's different. Or you're, you're changing jobs. I know a lot of us have changed jobs and things like that. What do you do on the first day of the job? How do you feel? It feels awkward, doesn't it? You know, you're just trying to get through the day. It gets better after that, right? You get more comfortable. You get more used to it. But that first few moments, those first few days feel awkward, feel uncomfortable. A lot of times it feels scary, you know. When you're uncertain about things. Well, last week we talked about the resurrection of Jesus. Now, Jesus spent 40 days ministering to others, appearing to others after his resurrection. That's remarkable to me. He spent time teaching and ministering, spending time with his disciples, talking to them. And then he gathered them together for what would be their last time together. And he tells them this, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So after Jesus gave this command, he ascended into heaven. Jesus gave this great command, this command that we, even our church here, this is our mission, to make disciples. This is the mission of, of every church, really. You might say it differently, but ultimately this is the mission. Jesus gave this great command to go and make disciples, baptize them, teach them to follow Jesus. Do this amazing work, not just here locally, right, but all over the world. So, look, we like Dabo Sweeney, don't we? Jesus gives this amazing pep talk, this amazing charge, and then he leaves. 
He leaves. What are they thinking? What do we do now? This is different. We're not used to this. We've never been in this type of situation. They're probably thinking, how are we supposed to do this without you here? They probably felt lost. Scared. I think many times we feel lost too. We feel scared, especially with our faith when we go through things. Well, the key is... In the last part of this verse, surely I'm with you always. That's what we're going to talk about today. You see, you can't separate the command from the promise. You see, we focus on the command, but we cannot separate the promise that is the very next sentence. Jesus promised that he would be with us always. But what did he mean by that? What is, he, what is he talking about there? Well, the answer is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Now, who, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, when we talk about the Trinity, you've heard me mention that a couple of times. We, we talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Trinity. Three persons making up one God. So, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's a person. And the Holy Spirit is God. I want you to understand that. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus and God the Father. Now look, the Holy Spirit is a big subject, all right? And some of you are nervous right now. Uh, some of you are excited, like you, you, know, you get your foot ready, right? But look, the Holy Spirit was never meant to be a divisive thing. As a matter of fact, Paul says that we are baptized by one Spirit. All of us, same one. So it's meant to be a unified thing. And there's so much that we could talk about in this, right? And what I want to ask you to do, everything that you have learned or, or know or maybe think you know about the Spirit, I just want you to, to put that to the side right now. I'm not saying forget about it. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying we're going to look at some foundational things this morning. Because I got a feeling that some of you may be focused on some things that are not foundational. And what happens is if you focus on these things and you don't have the proper foundation, then you don't have the right understanding of the Spirit. So let's do that together. I want to, to go through some things with you this morning that are foundational, and then on top of that, we can build upon. I want to talk about some very important things. We talked about who the Spirit is. The Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Spirit is God. Well, what is the Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit to us, to Christians? Well, first of all, the Holy Spirit is God's presence. The Holy Spirit is God's presence. We do not have to go through life all alone. The Christian life, the following Jesus life, we don't have to go through life all alone. God is with us through His Spirit. Remember just a few weeks ago over Christmas, we talked about what? Emmanuel. God with us. And the amazing thing is, is God is still with us through His Spirit. 
Now, the Spirit is mentioned many times in the Old Testament. The, the Spirit showed up at different times in different places. But let me tell you this, the Spirit mainly resided, that's the key word, resided in the temple or the tabernacle before the temple was built. And, and the, the temple or the tabernacle was where people went to meet God. And so uh, they did that for hundreds of years. And then we get to the New Testament and we find the temple in different circumstances. We find the temple corrupt. We find things turned upside down. We, we find things in the temple in the New Testament that are, it's not the way it's supposed to be. And as a matter of fact, in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed completely. Forty years approximately after the death of Jesus, the magnificent, the great temple in Jerusalem destroyed Through Christ, God was building a new temple, you see, a, a new place for his presence to dwell. So after Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit came to people in a different way. He came to dwell, he came to reside, you see, that's the key word, but not in a building. But inside of those who believed in Jesus Christ. The perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross allowed the sinner to be cleansed. Listen, you remember that story reading about Jesus cleansing the temple, going around and <laughs> beating people up and whipping people and throwing them outside of the temple? That was just a shadow of what he would do on the cross with his blood. He would cleanse the temple. And so now our bodies are an acceptable place, a suitable dwelling place for his presence because of his cleansing of our temple on the cross, you see. 1 Corinthians six nineteen, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Look, the Holy Spirit is God's presence living in us. Our bodies are God's temple. Meaning God's spirit dwells or resides within us. And look, this means we take care of our bodies, right? You ever heard that phrase, your body is the temple of the spirit, the temple of God, take care of your body? Yeah, I mean, it means that, right? I, I get that. It's, it's true. But here's the most important thing. Here's the foundation. Here's what we need to build this on. Here's what this means. It means we never go anywhere without God being with us. That's what it means. Um, Noah is my five-year-old, and he's in this stage now where he never, ever, ever wants to be alone, right? And it was kind of cute at first, but now it's kind of like, you know, I mean, literally, he never wants to be alone, doesn't want to sleep alone, doesn't want to be alone. He, he wants me to go in the bathroom with him and watch him. That's weird <laughs> and uncomfortable, but, uh, you know, it's not like he's scared to death. That's not it. He's uncertain. Right? He's, uh, he's insecure. And when I am with him or when Angela is with him, his whole demeanor changes completely. It's like he's a completely different person. Right? Look, the Spirit is like that with us. And let me tell you this, the Spirit isn't a feeling. 
you know, we, we can experience different feelings. Our feelings can change from one minute to the next. Our feelings can betray us. Our feelings can trick us. The Spirit is not a feeling. The Spirit is a presence, right? And knowing that we have God's presence with us brings assurance. It brings comfort. It brings, it brings confidence. The Holy Spirit is given to us by God so that His presence would be with us, living in us, so that no matter where we go, no matter what we do, God would always be there. Isn't that good? The Holy Spirit is God's presence. The next thing, the next foundation, uh, the next block that we build this on, the Holy Spirit is God's power. The Holy Spirit is God's power. If God's Spirit lives in us, then God's power is in us too. God's presence equals God's power, right? Look at Acts 1.8. I love this verse. But you will receive power. So you get that? You know, didn't have power before. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How do we accomplish the mission, the great commandment that Jesus gave us? How do we do that? Through his presence and through his power. It's both, you see. Look, you may be strong. You may be tough. You may be the smartest person in the room, right? But in and of ourselves, we are not powerful. We're not. I've seen some of the strongest guys be knocked down uh, through temptation, through weakness, through cowardice, things like that, you see. These guys... When you think about it, when you look at the disciples, they were probably pretty tough guys. You know, country boy guys, those type of guys, but they were not powerful. I came across a quote a while back, and I can't remember who said it, so it's just an anonymous quote, and I don't have it on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. When I read it, it I had to do a double take. You know, and then I thought about it, and I, and I thought, well, it's true. But listen to this. The Holy Spirit in you is greater than Jesus beside you. All right? You see how initially that kind of rubs you the wrong way? Nothing can be greater than Jesus, but just listen to what this says. The Holy Spirit in you is greater than Jesus beside you. Let me ask you this. What changed the apostles? What changed? Yes, I mean, the resurrection of Jesus changed, right? But in the end, it was the Holy Spirit that made them powerful. It was the Holy Spirit that empowered them to do bold things. As a matter of fact, Jesus told them to wait. Hold up. Don't, don't go anywhere. Don't try to do anything yet. You wait upon the Spirit. Don't try to accomplish things on your own. You see, the Lord knew that they needed God's presence and God's power to accomplish the things that He wanted them to do. If they would have tried without the Spirit, they would have failed, you see. That's the difference. Uh, so last night, our power went out. Maybe yours did too. It wasn't long, but a couple weeks ago, our power went out, 
for several hours. And so I was home alone with Callie and Noah. And, uh, you know, they had experienced that before, but it was a while back. So they didn't really remember it. And so they were, they immediately asked me what happened. I said, well, the power went out. It'll be back on. But they went through and, you know, tried to turn on lights and said, it's not working. I said, I told you the power went out. And then they would get it for a minute. And then I would hear Noah go to the bathroom or something like that and try to flip on the light. He said, Dad, the light won't work. I said, yeah, I told you the power's out. And then they would go in their room and, and try to turn on the TV, try to turn on their games. Our game's not working. I said, the power's out. I've, I, do you not get it? You know? And so Callie looked at me and said, Dad, we can't do nothing. And uh, so at first, you know, when, look, honestly, if you're a guy, when the power goes out, like your man thing steps, steps in, like, you, you, I got this. I'm a man. I don't need power. Right? You feel that way at first. You're like trying to lock candles and, and you know, trying to put stuff from uh, under, under the door to keep air from coming in. You know, you're trying to do the man thing, right? Uh, I did that, too, for a little while. But then after three years of spending with my kids, I'm like, I can't do nothing, you know? <laughs> uh, that's the way I feel. I can't do nothing. But look, that's how we are without the Spirit of God. That's how we are. That should be our posture. That should be the way we feel. We can't do nothing. I know that's bad grammar and some of you that drives you crazy. That's like a, what is it, a double negative? But look, that's the point. You doubly can't do anything positive without the Spirit. I meant to say that, too. Look, Jesus said in an earlier teaching, I, I believe it's in the Gospel of John, uh, abide in me and, and I'll abide in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. You know, in God's Word, we read about the indwelling or the receiving of the Holy Spirit, indwelling, receiving. And then we read about the filling of the Holy Spirit, right? And those are really two different things. All Christians are indwelt by the Spirit, okay? When we place our faith in Jesus, we receive the Spirit. We are indwelt by the Spirit. But in the Bible, it's interesting. We are continually told to be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Right? Well, the filling of the Spirit brings power. It brings power. To, to be filled with the Spirit means this. We are to be emptied of ourselves. You know, I don't know if you... Anytime you read through the Bible and you see that it mentions somebody being filled with the Spirit, almost always, almost always, each and every time, they are emptied of themselves. Look, Christians have the permanent presence of the Holy Spirit living in them. But the Spirit fills us and empowers us as we empty ourselves. Look, I know... Many times we focus on spiritual gifts, right, and gifts of the Holy Spirit, but spiritual gifts do very little unless you're spiritually filled at all. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. Spiritual gifts do not work at their peak unless you're spiritually filled. So 
Don't focus on the gifts. You focus on the feeling, and the gifts then become powerful, you see. Look, living a powerful and victorious life isn't you doing more. It isn't you working harder. It isn't you trying to do more things and accomplish more things. It's actually you becoming less and allowing God to do more through you. God can do so much more than we can on our own. I like this, these couple of verses in Ephesians. And really, in context, when we're talking about the Spirit, this is where these couple of verses come into play. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to whose power? He is. Whose power? Not, not ours. Not mine. Not yours. Immeasurably more only comes with God's power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He borrowed that from Randy Travis. Look, when we can't do things, God is able, you see. When we can't overcome difficulties, God is able. Through the power of God's Spirit, anything, anything, and everything is possible. The Bible says that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Now, don't go out and try to do that, right? Don't try to be like Yoda, and I tried it when I was younger, a lot younger, by the way. You know, you don't, you don't try to move mountains, literally, right? You don't go to a mountain and say, move, and, and expect it to happen, right? That would be cool if it did. But that's not what this is saying. That's not what that means, What it means is nothing is too great for the power of God in you. Nothing. How do we accomplish great things? How do we get through difficulties and hardships when we're saying, I can't get through this, God can. When we're saying, I can't accomplish this, God can. When we're saying, I feel like giving up, God doesn't. You see, how do we face An evil, fallen, broken world when we wake up every single day through God's Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We do this by emptying ourselves and by allowing more of God into our lives and permitting the Holy Spirit to empower us. So the Holy Spirit is God's power. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit is God's guidance. God's guidance. Man, what would it look like if we followed instructions? You know, we're the most stubborn people in the world. We are. Uh, I mean, if we just follow the speed limit, right? You know, some of you drive way, way too fast, and some of you way, way too slow. Just, hey, the speed limit, right there. There it is. Five to ten over, maybe. Um. But look, so you're on an interstate and you see these warning signs, uh, right lane closed ahead. I mean, wouldn't it be great if everybody saw that? Merge left. But no, everybody waits till they get to the very thing, whatever's going on, the work or whatever. And they wait, then they try to get over. I mean, doesn't that make your life miserable? Especially in that moment, you're like, ah, 
follow directions. Or what, what if we listen to our doctors? When, you know, you go visit the doctor and the doctor says, do this, and you're like, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't need you. What are you talking about? You know, what do you know? Uh, <laughs> doctor? <laughs> or, or look, young ones, teenagers. What if you listen to your parents? Man, wouldn't life be so much better? Look, the presence of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit in our lives, is direction and instruction that our lives need. He is our guidance from God. And what guidance means is that you're being led by something. You're being guided by something. Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Right? It's just assuming that if you're a child of God, you're being led by God, you see. If we are children of God, we are to be led by the Spirit. Look, the truth is, even though you may be a Christian, you still live in a sinful world. You still live in a fallen world. You still live in a broken world. And guess what? You still sin. You do. Many times because of that, there's conflict in our lives. There's confusion. Paul talked about this many times in his letters, this idea of knowing where he's going and wanting to get there, but still being here. Right? And there's this conflict going on. The Holy Spirit in us helps us to navigate through this life. The Spirit is in us to lead us. To lead us. And the Holy Spirit guides us in so many ways. I don't have time this morning to go into every single way, but the Bible tells us that the Spirit helps us to pray. Right? Some of you are great at praying. Some of you are not. You know, and you know that. Uh, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Sometimes what you're going through in life is so hard and so difficult that you can't speak. You don't know what to say. But God knows in your heart what you're feeling. And so the Spirit in you communicates that to God. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes you don't know what to do, what to say. The Spirit is your guidance through all that. Uh, the Spirit also helps us in sharing our faith, right? Um, I know sometimes that could be scary too. But the Scriptures tell us to not really worry or have anxiety about those moments but to trust in the spirit and he will give us exactly what we need to say i know that's happened to me many times just those spontaneous things where normally i'm i think i'm introverted you know normally i'm pretty quiet and, and but sometimes the spirit will move me and, and place something on my heart to speak to somebody and those those conversations are to be guided by the spirit the Spirit also does this, convicts us when we stray from God. The Spirit brings conviction on our life. You know what I'm talking about because you've felt it if you're a Christian. When we get turned around, when we lose our focus, the Spirit helps us to put our focus back where it needs to be, and that is on Jesus Christ. The Spirit always, always Always points us to Jesus. Always. Look at this, John 14, 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you 
all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's Jesus talking. God's Spirit desires for us to be in a posture where our focus is on Jesus all the time. And if it's not, the Spirit will convict us to try to bring us back around. The Spirit's mission here, the Spirit's mission according to this, is to teach us, to show us, to guide us, and remind us. You get that? You see that? Remind. Remind us to become better followers of Jesus Christ. To help us look more like Christ, and to help us show Christ to others, right? I know for a fact, for a fact, I can guarantee this, if you allow God's Spirit to lead you and guide you, your life would be better. Not only that, but you can make an impact on the life of others as well. I know many of you saw this on the news, maybe social media, of the young lady that's a FedEx driver, right? You saw that? Over the Christmas season, you know, these people have tremendous loads to deliver to get out, so they're very busy. But this young lady went to a, a home, and it was an elderly lady that answered the door, and she could immediately tell that something was bothering her. And so uh, she asked what was wrong, and, and uh, the lady said that my husband's in here, and he's not doing well. As a matter of fact, he's dying, and I'm just struggling and things like that. So she, she dropped the, the package off, and she had at least 20 more stops to make. So she's on her way, moving, delivering, and then she, she feels conviction of the Spirit in her heart. And what does she do in that moment? She drops the business of her schedule. She drops what she would personally do each and every day, and she turns around and goes back. She knocks on the door again, and the old lady answers the door, and, and the FedEx driver, the young lady, said, Look, I, I just felt like God wanted me to come back. Can I pray with you? And the lady started crying. And look, there wasn't fireworks. There wasn't anything magical happening there. You know, there wasn't angels coming down to sing in that moment. But what was happening is that the love of Christ was shown to someone in need. And God was glorified in that moment because somebody was obedient to the Spirit's prompting. You see... I know many of you have those similar stories. Maybe somebody did that to you. And, you know, I've had those situations where somebody will come up and say, God laid it on my heart to, to share this with you or to encourage you this way or to do this for you. And maybe you've done the same to others. You know what I'm talking about. Those moments, man, those moments are powerful. They're great. In Ephesians, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, that phrase gets tossed around a lot, and it gets misused the majority of the time. That, what that's referring to is the Holy Spirit working in your own life, right? In you, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. When, when God's trying to lead us, when God's trying to prompt us, when God is trying to guide us, and we resist, and we hesitate, we grieve the Holy Spirit. We counter the work of the Holy Spirit. Look, the Holy Spirit is God's way of guiding us, folks. And it's up to us to listen, to be receptive, and to be obedient, right? To the direction. When we have those promptings, whether it's a conviction, right? Or, or a calling, or something like that. A calling to step out in faith. 
we need to be willing to follow that because that is God's Spirit talking to us, guiding us, leading us. Finally, I want to talk to you about this. We're going to close out on this. The Holy Spirit is God's promise. God's promise. What do I mean by that? Well, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is actually referred to as God's promise. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise, you see, is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Y'all, all who place their faith in Christ receive the promise of God through the Holy Spirit. You know, what do we do when we promise? What are we doing there when we, when we promise something, when we say I promise? Well, we're saying that we're going to do something, right? It, it's a commitment. It, it's a pledge. It, it's our guarantee that we're going to make good on our commitment. I've shared this with you before. Uh, I made the commitment, probably a mistake, but I made a commitment to Callie to get her a horse when she turns 10. And she said, do you promise? I said, yeah. <laughs> you know, so she's seven, and I'm like trying to figure this out. You know, I've got a few more years to plan. Um, but she's asking me all the time, are you going to get me a horse? Yes, I told you, I promised. So what I did last year for Christmas, I got her a horse. It's, I guess you could call it a toy. It's not necessarily a toy, but it's, it's a horse about this size, and you, know, you can comb its hair, and it's got a saddle and things on it, and you know, she plays with it and braids the, the mane and stuff like that. I think she tortures it sometimes. <laughs> but you see, she looks at that, and remembers what I told her. Um, she looks at that and it gives her confidence and assurance that I'm going to come through on my end. You see, that I'm going to follow through on my commitment. Look, God told us verbally in His Word that through Christ we will be with Him in eternity. We all know this, this verse here. It's not on the screen. In my Father's house are Many rooms. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back for you so that where I am, you may be also. Jesus said that. Jesus promised that. But then what did he do? Sent the Holy Spirit. Sent the Holy the, the Spirit is so much more than just a verbal promise. It's a given promise. Look at this. Ephesians 1.13 and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. Look at this. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who were God's possession to the praise of his glory. You see, it says marked with a seal there. And what, did that, what does that mean? 
Well, in those times, whenever an, an emperor would write a letter, it would be enclosed and folded over, and wax would be poured on it, and they would have a ring or a stamp or something with their image or an official seal, and they stamped that wax. That signified authority. That signified ownership. That signified if you mess with this, you're going to be in trouble. Right? What this is saying, when we placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we were stamped with the seal of the Holy Spirit, with God's promise. God has marked you with the seal of the Spirit, and that is His promise to you that you are His and He is yours. And that one day you will be with him in heaven. You see, the Spirit is God's deposit. Look at this language. The Spirit is God's deposit to us. To us. From God to us. God gave us a down payment, a pledge that assures us of our eternity. It's a given promise. The Holy Spirit is the Lord's pledge of ownership and our guarantee that God is with us now And we have a guaranteed destiny in heaven. What an amazing promise that is. So you see, we are not alone. If you're a Christian, you are not alone. Jesus didn't leave us alone. He left us in good company, didn't he? He didn't leave us empty-handed. He left us with the opportunity to be filled with him. God's Spirit is with us lives in us, leads us, empowers us to sustain us until we see the Lord in eternity. Now look, miraculous, that's miraculous. It's miraculous that if you're a Christian, here's the truth. God has never left you, and God will never leave you. That's miraculous. God has spent almost all of our known history trying to reach us. And now that he has reached us through Christ, he's never letting go. He is never letting go. So look, Jesus was right when he said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Oh, that's good. After Jesus ascended into heaven, I want to close on this. Um, Literally ascended into heaven in front of his disciples. And they're like standing around, whoa, what's what do we do now? What's going on? And in Acts, an angel comes and, and talks to him and, and looks at him and says this, Men of Galilee, they said. So it's a couple of angels, actually. Why are you standing here, staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. I like that. So these guys were probably just standing there, looking up. That's not what God wanted them to do. So he sent messengers down to give them a message. And they said, why are you guys standing around? What are you doing? Right? Look, God had a plan and purpose for them. God has a plan and purpose for us. May we not stand around. It's a new year. Let's not stand around. Right? We have a risen Savior who will return. But until then, by giving us the Holy Spirit, the Lord has given us everything that we need to do what he's called us to do until we see him face to face. Amen? Well, let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. Father, we thank you for the Spirit of God. We thank you for your Spirit. And as as believers in Christ, Father, your Spirit dwells within us. Your Spirit empowers us. Your Spirit guides us. And your Spirit is the promise of our inheritance. Your Spirit is the guarantee that we belong to you and that we will be with you for eternity. Father, thank you so much for those great truths. Father, help us to live this life obediently, being guided by your Spirit, following those promptings. If we've strayed from our faith, if we've gotten off of the path that you wanted us to take, Father, help us to get back on. You've given us everything that we need to be here in this world at this time. And you never, ever leave us. You're always with us. How comforting, how assuring that truth is. Father, may we spend the rest of our lives focusing on the commandment that you've given us to make disciples of you, to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to be obedient to everything that Jesus taught. Father, as we do that, you are continually molding us and shaping us into the image of your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.